Welcome to the Life Story Coach Podcast, where you'll hear interviews, tips, and advice on the craft and business of personal history and life story writing with your host, Amy Woods Butler. Hi guys, Amy here. Today I'm going to do something a little bit different. Um, Instead of interviewing somebody, I am going to talk to you about my experience with using Scrivener. And it's something that I use exclusively now for all of my life story projects. I've been dabbling with it for quite a few years. I bought it a long time ago. um, And I've slowly shifted over to using it for all of my book projects. And it was probably one of the best things that I did. I used to use pages in Mac. I work on a Mac. Um, I'm sure a lot of us work on Word documents. Those word processors are fine. But once you learn about all of the capabilities that Scrivener has, I think you'll see that it can be such a boon for us life story writers. Now I say writers and Obviously, it's intended for books because it is a word processing program, but I think that it probably would be very beneficial to people who do video projects as well. I'm not so sure about audio because the audio projects that I've done, I haven't done very much editing, so there's not very much on the writing end, Um, although it is a good place to put everything belonging to a project, not just the writing, but also the research. And I would guess for videos, especially if anything is scripted at all, Scrivener could probably be beneficial for you. But today, what I'm going to focus on is really for the life story writers among us. That's what I use it for. And I'm going to walk you through my process. If you need any help visualizing the things that I'm talking about, because, you know, I... I'm going to try to be clear in how I how I describe things, but I will go ahead and put some screenshots on the show notes of today's episode. So if you want to take a look at those, then just head over to the lifestorycoach.com and look for episode 31. There you'll see some illustrations of the things that I'm talking about. Now, you may have heard of Scrivener, and I've talked to plenty of people who are a little bit frightened by it because they think that it's this very big, powerful program. And it is. But like with any good computer program out there, any good app, you use what you need from it. um, And you can grow into it. And the nice thing about Scrivener is that there is no big learning curve. So I've used some programs, you know, I've taught myself in design, I've taught myself a lot with Photoshop. Um, There are some programs out there that are hard, you know, it's it's going to take some sitting down and going through tutorials and learning things yourself. Scrivener is pretty much, you know, you, you get it set up on your computer, and you're good to go. So I'll tell you about how I use it. And, you know, I probably use maybe 10 or 15% of what's available. When I find that I need something more, then I go Google around and I find out how to do that on Scrivener. And um, that is another nice thing with Scrivener. There are so many blog posts written about it, so many tutorials. It's not like with some programs where um, all you find are the sales pages where you can buy the program. This one, a lot of people use it and a lot of people write about how they use it. So again, today I'm going to talk about specifically using it for life story writing. So 
just to start off, it was created for writers, um, and I think probably for fiction writers, but now they have templates for all different types of writing. So fiction, nonfiction, screenwriting, um, I think there might even be some poetry in there, um, some miscellaneous things, people use it for academic papers. Like I said, those templates come with the Scrivener program. So to get started, when you open a, and I'm going to look at my computers just so that I know what I'm talking about and I don't mess anything up. But when you when you first open a new project, um, and they, they call them projects in Scrivener, it's not a document. And that's because your project is sort of the, um, it's the grab bag for everything that's going to go into your your book project. So it's going to be comprised of folders and documents, and you can put anything in there that you want. You can put audio files, you can put JPEGs, you can put videos in there. You can also have, there's lots of room for metadata. So you can have um, keyword phrases, you can have notes to yourself that are not appearing in the actual draft. Lots of good stuff. And like I said, you can learn as you go along how to use sort of what I consider the extras. But when you first open a project, the first thing that Scrivener is is going to prompt you to do is to save it. Um, And that's because you don't need to worry about saving after that. Once you you name it and you tell Scrivener where to save it, after that, every, um, I don't know how often it happens, but Scrivener is almost constantly saving it for you in the background. So even when you go to close out whatever you're working on to, you know, you're done for the workday and you're closing this particular Scrivener project, you don't have to hit save because it saves it for you. Okay, so you open up, um, you open up a new project, and it prompts you to save it. And then what you have, um, so what I always start with is the the blank template, what that is going to give you, there's, like I said, there's all kinds of different templates. But the blank template is basically going to give you three folders. It's going to give you a draft folder, a research folder and a trash folder. And I'm going to back up here for just a minute. When you when you open up a new project, you're going to see three panes. So on the far left, and I know this is audio, but I'm, I'm going to try to make this um, as visual as possible for you, even though you're listening on podcast. So you have three panes in front of you. On the far left is called the binder. The middle is called the editor. And on the far right is the inspector. I'm going to focus mostly today on the binder um, I'm 51 and, you know, from about fifth grade to eighth grade, that's when we would go school supply shopping and my sister and I wanted so badly to get a trapper keeper. If you're around my age, you might remember what that is. Um, it was just a really cool tricked out binder where it had different folders inside of it. It had, um, I don't know, little nooks and crannies. I think it even had a place where you could put your pencil and we just thought it was the coolest thing, but they were expensive and we never got one. Well, now I'm an adult and I bought myself the electronic version of a Trapper Keeper, which is what Scrivener is. So the binder, um, you really want to visualize it as kind of a, a, a binder that you would have papers in, so hard copy papers. And this is where a lot of the magic happens for me with Scrivener. Okay, so I started to tell you what the what the default is for the containers or for what's contained in the binder. And that would be the draft, and that's a folder, and the research folder and the trash folder. So draft, I usually just leave it named that because that is what it's going to be for me. 
Within the draft is where you create your chapters and your sections. Um, you create your the stuff that's going in the book. So where you are, uh, the writing that is going to be part of your book. And it can be, you can have as many levels as you want. So maybe you have a really big book and, um, you know, maybe it's a husband and wife that you're doing together. So you have to have different parts, part one, part two, part three. You could have those as folders and then you can set up within each of those chapters. And then within the chapters, if you want to set up different sections, if you want to write it as scenes, and I think that's, you know, more for fiction writers, but however you want to create a hierarchy that makes sense for your book, that's what you're doing in the draft folder. You can have empty folders and documents within that draft folder. Um, So let's say you know that you're going to be doing somebody's full life story. And um, just as placeholders, you create several chapter folders, you can call them chapters, or you can call them, um, you know, you might want to start off with origins or ancestors. um, And then maybe you go on to the early years, and then maybe you go on to... um, you know, high school and, and, and then college, and this can all be changed. That's the great thing. So, but if you know that that's in general, what your story is going to look like, you can set those up and you don't have to have anything in them. You don't have to have any text, but you can set them up. And one of the great things is you can switch things around at will. So let's say you're talking about somebody's, um, um, learning how to ride a horse. Um, <laughs> that might not be the best example, but let's say somebody is an equestrian and that's a big part of their life. And so you're talking about learning to ride a horse. Well, you know, m- maybe you have it in one section, but then you realize that you need to pull it in back into an earlier section where they're talking about the family's history with horses. So you can, it's just as easy as, as clicking, dragging and dropping to move things around. Um, And that is going to help you immensely when you're trying to get things in the right place. Okay, so that's the draft folder. Now, one thing I didn't mention yet is when, so the, the binder is over on the left, like I said, the editor is the big middle pane. And that's where you're actually doing the writing. And whenever you click on something in the binder on the left, So let's say you have, um, I'm looking at an example that I have open of a project that I'm working on right now. Um, I have a chapter called Family, Friends, and Playtime. And within it, one of the sections is called uh, Grade School Friends. So if I click on that, that is the document that's going to open up in the big editor pane, and then I can start writing. So you don't have to write in a linear way at all. Okay, so that's the draft folder. The second folder would be the research folder, and you can you can change the names of these, um, whatever makes sense for you. It happens to work for me the way it's set up: draft and research. You can also change the icons, which you know sometimes that's just a little more playtime <laughs> rather than actually getting some good work done time. But we all need our little breaks. So the research folder is where you put everything that is not going into the draft, and that, as we all know, can be a whole load of stuff. So one of the major folders that I have nested within the research folder is the um, the transcripts. So. Every time I do an interview, I, I record it, and then I have it transcribed, and then 
the transcription is usually, you know, if it comes out, whoever's transcribing it, it might be a Word document, it might be a Pages document. What I usually do is I copy that document and then I paste it into its own document within the transcripts folder in Scrivener. The reason I do that, now you can you can also throw in PDFs, you can throw in pages documents, you can throw in Word documents in there, but I just like to have it all um, for my transcripts. I don't know, it makes me more comfortable knowing that it's just in the Scrivener document. As time goes by, I have more and more transcripts and they're in their own transcripts folder so I can see them. Um, and that is part of the the material that I'm using to build the story. I also put in anything that the storyteller has given me. So maybe there's old letters or there's old journals. Um, I put all of those into the research file as well. And then, you know, we know how it is. There's so much more that, that people end up, you know, for me anyways, there's all kinds of things that just keep coming in. Maybe the children of the storyteller have things that they send me. I put that into the research folder. Um, maybe I'm doing some some research online to find some contextual history that goes with the story. I put that all in the research folder. And usually I end up with just a big collection of things that are documents, Scrivener documents, things that are PDFs. Um, I don't generally put too many photos in there, but occasionally I will. And that's because when I give the early drafts to the people, I will want to, you know, I, li I like to keep them as just clean manuscript drafts, but sometimes I'll throw in a few photos just to give them an idea of what the final book is going to look like when they see their, their treasured family photos within the text. Okay, so that's a research folder. Trash folder is pretty self-explanatory. Um, and as you're adding new folders and documents, um, you'll see that sometimes they'll fall below the trash folder. I like to keep trash at the very bottom. Um, and I don't ever really clean it out because sometimes, you know, you might accidentally throw something away or you might think that you've processed some of this raw material and it's in the book, but then something new pops up and you need to go and look at what you, the original um, piece, the original material that you looked at and maybe you need to, compare it to something new that came in. So that's all still in the trash folder, but it's not cluttering up the binder. You can just keep that trash folder um, not expanded, unexpanded. <laughs> okay, another folder that I will use um, that I'll create in addition to the draft folder and the research folder is the raw material folder. And with the raw material folder, what I'm doing before I am adding the material from the transcript. So the person, the storyteller's spoken words. Before I start building the book, so actually working on the draft, I will take that transcript material and I'll chunk it out. I will um, create, it's almost like a shadow book within that raw material folder. So I'll have I won't necessarily call them chapters, but I'll have different sections and I'll name them according to what the section is. Sometimes I'll also include the dates because that can be an easy way of organizing the material. Um, almost always though, I have a 
what it's about. So the subject matter. And it looks almost, I, I call it sort of a shadow book, because it almost looks like um, the outline of a book or a table of contents, which, you know, we probably all know that you can use that as sort of a, a semi outline for your for the draft in progress within this raw material folder. As each transcript comes in, I will copy and paste and put it in the sections that I've created and that I'm continuously creating within the raw material folder. So I'm not working on the uh, the wording at all. I'm simply just copying and pasting from the transcript into the correct section in the raw material. And just to keep things straight and organized, as I copy and paste. So let's say I have transcript one, you know, and the transcripts are named by by date, but I'm in that very first transcript. Each chunk that I copy and paste, I'm highlighting in yellow within the transcript. So I know that that has been processed, that has been done. So yellow, and we're going to get into colors in a little bit, but yellow is just my my overall color for meaning that something is done with respect to where it's at. So it doesn't mean when I highlight it in yellow on the transcript that it's done in the book. It does mean that it's done and it's been placed into the raw material folder. So each new transcript, you know, I meet with people once a week or maybe every other week. Every time the transcript comes in, I'm chunking that out. And those bits and pieces are then going into the raw material folder. So you can understand probably that now I've got kind of a structure starting. I've got um, things kind of going in the places where they belong. Now, there's always big changes with that too. But this is the big first start for me. Okay, so that raw material folder. Now we're going to talk about the how I use that within the editor. So the great thing about the editor is that, and the editor is that middle pane, it's usually the biggest pane, depending on how you drag things out. But that is where you're actually doing your writing. And the great thing about this, and this is really the reason why I think this is the best program for life story writing, is that you can split that in two. So you have one editor window, you can split it into two different windows. And they can be either up, down, or side by side. And I use it side by side. Now, why is this such a fantastic gift to us as life story writers? Well, within each window, so we have two editor windows opened up there, they stay side by side, I don't think you can separate them. And I don't know why you would want to. Um, On the right is where I have my working draft. So that is where I'm actually doing the writing. On the left is where I have the raw material for the section of the draft that I'm working on. So when you go into the binder, it, whatever whatever editor window you have, um, not highlighted, but what, what is active, the active editor window, if you go into your binder and you click on something in the binder, that's what's going to open up in that editor pain. Um, So you open up, you know, let's say you're working on something about the high school years, you have your the draft open to that chapter or that section. And 
on the left-hand side, on that window, this is how I do it, I'll go into the raw material and I'll find whatever corresponds to that section of the book. I refer to the spoken material as I'm doing the writing. It has been a godsend. It just makes things so easy. Um, It makes the writing easy and it makes the organization easy because as I'm adding things onto the draft, the draft in progress, um, I am highlighting the raw material in yellow. Again, that means that that has been worked, that has been processed. So if it's raw material to be processed, that means that it is has been written into the draft. And I do that throughout each of the um, raw material documents. And then what I do at the end, once it's been all highlighted in yellow, and I know that that section of the raw material has been put into the draft, then I have the ability to put a yellow label on that section of the raw material. And that's the other really big bonus for me. Um, Now we're going to make a switch. If you can visualize this, we're going to go all the way to the right-hand side. I'm not really good with left and right, so I hope I'm not messing this up at all. Um, But this, I know for sure, is on the right-hand side. We're going to go to the inspector window or the inspector pane, I guess you would say. Um, And you can close out any of these too, by the way. So if if it's looking too cluttered, you can close out the inspector pane, you can close out the binder pane and just have the editor open. Um, There's also a way to have the editor so that it's just really clean. You don't see anything else at all. I don't tend to use that um, because I'm, I'm constantly using the binder and the inspector. Um, but so now we're going to talk a little bit about what's in the inspector and there's so much that that is available um, and you really do need to play with it. But if you want to just get going and you, you know, you want to hear about how I do it in the inspector pane, um, there are several keys at the top and those will open up different things in the inspector. So there's things like keywords, there's things like um, synopsis, there's a little picture of a camera. And with that, you can take um, you can take a photo of uh, it's basically just copying whatever document happens to be open in the um, the editor pane. So let's say you want to um, you know that you want to make some changes, but you're not sure if they're going to be better or worse than what's what's already there. So you take a little snapshot, then you can compare um, what you had before with what is uh, what you've rewritten. Okay, so there's several different things. um, And a few of the windows give you um, you have the ability to have labels and a status on any of the documents or the folders. So that's uh, anything that you have in your binder, whether it's in the draft folder or in the research folder or any other folder that you create, you can attach labels to them and you can attach a status to them. Now, I rarely use the status. That is... I think that's more created for people who are doing um, lots of drafts. So if you're a novel writer and you want to write um, you know, a first draft and then you want to see if you're working on a first draft or a revised draft, you have those status labels, those, those status callouts. What I do make use of all the time are the labels. And um, since I don't have a new one open, I'm not sure what it comes loaded with. I think it might come loaded with something called concept and chapter, maybe. Um, but what I do is I create my own labels. And you don't, 
I don't need many. Um, and it's always a work in progress because some some projects need different types of labels than other than others. But for um, for every project that I work on, I have at least two, um, and that is a done and a need to add to draft. So, like I said, yellow is my is my color for anything that's been processed or done with respect to where it is. So, if it's if it's in the transcript folder, if if it's yellow, I know it's done, meaning it's been added to the raw material folder. Okay, so. Let's start with the transcripts. Let's say we have the first transcript and we have parceled it out into the raw material. And you can see within it that the whole thing has been um, highlighted yellow because we've chunked it all out. There's nothing left that is not gone into the raw material folder. So then it's time to add the label to the actual document of that first transcript. And this is where you create a label um, for me, it's yellow, and I just have done. That's that's what I call it. And if you highlight in your binder, which means that you're opening it up in the editor pane, you highlight in your binder, um, or you click in your binder, that particular document, or if it's a whole folder, and then you go over to the inspector, and you hit the done button, the done label, um, then you know that you don't need to worry about it anymore. Now, Um, The other major label that I use is the need to add to draft or need to process. And for me, that's just a purple. Um, And you can choose the names of the labels, you can choose the colors of the labels, and you can create as many as you want. I would suggest not creating too many. That was my mistake early on. Um, Keep it simple. Keep it... uh, Make a, a process that is replicable and that you will get used to using. So you use it on, you know, whatever projects you are hired to do. Just make sure that it's easy enough that you can remember how to do it. Okay, so the purple one, for instance, it could be need to add to draft. So I know then that all of my raw material starts off, sometimes I don't make it purple. Um, sometimes I just have it blank. But in general, like the best best practice is to make all of that raw material, all of those folders and or documents, make those purple, which means need to add to draft. And then as I'm working through them, they will gradually be changed to the yellow, to done. And that means if if I see, if I'm going to work for the day and I'm, I'm going to work on a project, I'll look over in my binder and I'll see, I'll take a look at my raw material section. And with just a quick glance, I can see all of the sections in the raw material folder that are purple. And that signals to me, hey, you have stuff here that still needs to be worked into the draft. One thing I forgot to mention was that um, you actually have to change the settings so that you see the label colors show up in the binder, but it's very easy. Um, I'm going to look right now to tell you exactly how to do it. When you have a Scrivener project to open on the top, um, all of your top, you know, where it says file, edit, view, uh, go under view, 
and scroll down um, and look at re, let's see, where is it? Use label color in, and that will give you the choice to use it in the binder and icons and index cards and outliner rows. The one that I choose is for binder. And that just gives me that really quick visual on what I still need to work on and what has actually been finished. You know, you don't have to work, like I said, you don't have to work in any kind of linear or chronological way. You can work on whatever section you feel like working on, you know, maybe uh, your storyteller has told a lot about um, going to nursing school and not so much about their early years yet. So you can work on that section of the book. And again, within the raw material document that corresponds to whatever section I'm going to be working on, I will highlight things as I go along as they've been added to the draft. And then when the whole document for the raw material has been worked into the draft, then I switch the label from that purple to yellow. So now I can look, I have a visual, uh, I have a visual cue within the binder that tells me, okay, at this point, you are done working in this raw material, you can go on to the next section. Now where this gets really great is as you add subsequent transcripts, to your project, or maybe it's material that you've gotten from somebody else, you know, maybe one of the kids, as the new material comes in regarding subjects that you've already covered in the draft, you can put those in the raw material. Well, first, I always put it in the research folder, because I want to have one place where everything is. Um, and then, again, I parcel that out. And I put that in the raw material, whichever section of the book, or I it belongs to, or I create a new section. And I do then make sure to add, add the label that need to add to draft. So that will be bright purple. And I know, oh, I thought that I finished the section on nursing school, but no, wait, I just got some more material about that. And I can see that because it's right in the raw material section and it's labeled purple. So that's what makes Scrivener really magic for me. It gives me the ability to have all of this material about somebody's life and not lose track of what I've covered in the draft, what still needs to be covered. Um, and it makes it so easy to see their words and then what's happening to their words when I'm writing up the draft, when I can see those side by side. So I hope this has helped, um, and I hope that you were able to visualize what I was talking about. Like I said, um, you know, if, if anybody wants me to do something that's, um, put something on the website that's more of a screencast or a screen flow type thing, I can do that as well, and maybe even get into a little bit more of the nitty gritty of how this all works and how it looks. There is so much that Scrivener can do for you, but please remember, it is not an intimidating program at all. You can absolutely get going right right away with it. I think when you buy the, the the program, they even have some getting started tutorials. It will not take you very long at all to just get the basics down. And then you can grow with it um, as you're, you realize different things that you need it to do. So just to recap, the major features that I like and use on Scrivener, the binder that allows you to create any kind of document or folder and allows you to keep things organized, both within the draft and within all of the raw material that you're using to create the draft and the research folder. The editor that you can split into two different panes and work on things side by side. 
Um, and that's great for having the draft on one side and having the raw material on the other side. And then the labels that you can apply to any document or any folder. Um, and that allows you to see what you've done so far and what you still need to work on. So I hope this has helped, guys. Um, I really recommend that you give Scrivener a try. You know, if, if you're in love with using Word or Mac, um, then of course that's fine. But I have found this to be really a game changer as far as how productive I am, how, um, oh my gosh, just so much less stress because I was always worried about, you know, what am I forgetting and what's falling by the wayside. So this has just made life a lot easier for me. And Scrivener, um, I'll have a link to Scrivener on my website. And if you want to find that, just go over to thelifestorycoach.com and look for episode 31. One of the things that I really like about it is that it's pretty darn inexpensive and it's not subscription-based. I'm not a fan of subscription-based services. Um, I know that there are probably some advantages to them, like, you know, frequent updates, but I just feel like I'm getting gouged as a consumer on with those. Um, at any rate, Scrivener, I think is $45. And it's pretty much been the best $45 that I've invested into my company. Hope this has helped. If you all have any suggestions, if you're already using Scrivener and you have suggestions on how to make it um, make life easier for any of us life story writers or life story creators, no matter what medium you're you're using it for, please let us know because we can all help each other. Um, that's what I aim to do with this podcast. And I know that we have such a supportive community of life story professionals that I, I know we all just want to help each other. I hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. It helps keep the conversation going about doing life stories for clients. I hope you enjoy your week. Until next time, go out and save someone's story.